Hey everyone, in today's show, I'm gonna discuss a very important and sensitive topic, HR and employee relations, professionals who are experiencing burnout. I'm gonna discuss some strategies for how to deal with the challenge of high caseloads and a lack of resources. You won't wanna miss this one. Welcome to the HR Investigations Podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey, an HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best-selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations, a Practical Guide for Human Resource Professionals. And now, here's Natalie. Hey everyone, and welcome to today's show. I am really glad to have you with me today because I'm gonna be talking about a really important and actually quite a sensitive subject, burnout. Those of you who work in HR and employee relations and have to handle investigations, there is a bit of a burnout factor with some of you. So why did I pick this topic? Well, because I've been getting a lot of mail recently from uh, my podcast listeners and other professionals within my network. I've had quite a few recently that have reached out to me for some advice because they're just not quite sure what to do. I want to first uh, talk about the burnout word. That can kind of mean different things to different people. So let me share what it is I'm really hearing from the trenches, if you will, out here. And um, it's a point when professionals are really at a level of frustration with their leadership. And I'm hearing that their work-life balance is suffering. They're like, Natalie, I'm just stretched so way beyond capacity. And in some cases, they're like super negative. Uh, they're like, I just am snapping at people. I'm I'm tired, exhausted, uh, one woman shared with me. And you know, others have also grown so weary, um, you know, and saying, well, handling calls and, you know, after hours, like in the evenings, um, on my off days, on the weekends. And, you know, it's just sort of snowballed into this kind of new normal. And, you know, what they've shared is it's not healthy and they know that, but it's just sort of snowballed into this thing and they found themselves here and they're just stuck. They're just kind of working and working and working and just dealing with more and more and more workload. Not good. All right. So let's um, talk about the burnout factor specifically for those of you who are in employee relations. And I'm making this distinction because your issue, issues may be a little bit different than someone who's an HR manager or generalist that just works a few cases, uh, maybe a month uh, or maybe even a handful of cases a year. If you are an employee relations professional and you are tasked with handling serious cases like allegations of harassment, uh, discrimination, and so on, um, and it's not just, you know, like employee drama, like you're really challenged with handling the serious cases that could maybe create liability for the organization. And if you have grown to the point where you are working more than 20 cases a month, and quite frankly, in my opinion, uh, when you're working more than about 15 cases a month, that's already treading into kind of what I call the red zone, um, where you're you're already struggling because all it takes is getting one or two complicated cases on top of already working, you know, 12, 13, 14 cases and you're buried. Okay. So um, with that said, so I'm saying 20 is really a lot. Now I talked with another uh, ER professional recently. She just recently left because she finally hit that wall. Like I could, she was like, I can't, I couldn't handle this anymore. Nellie. she's like, I was working 30 to 35 cases a month. Our team was small and we were just told to just keep up that we were just not going to be getting any more headcount. And wow, okay, so you've got leadership that just sort of is, oh, well, <laughs> lots of luck to you. Very unfair. 
very unfair to the investigators and also very unfair to also the parties that get involved in an investigation. Well, why? Well, when you have investigators that are stretched that thin, where you're juggling 30 to 35 cases a month, that's it's it's insanity. Um, you're having to jump from one case to another and, you know, one complainant that has lodged, let's say, a sexual harassment case, well, how long is it going to take that investigator to work it into their schedule to be able to get to that case? So now you may have a complainant that's subjected to some conduct that is really not very good conduct that, again, creates liability for the business. That can also turn into a really big, hot mess very, very quickly. Well, now let me focus on HR professionals uh, who may have to handle myriad of other things. So workers' comp, regulatory filings, benefits, uh, FMLA, payroll, handling managers and employee performance issues, kind of the general conflict management stuff. All right, you've got a lot on your plate and a lot of tasks to complete. So you have to juggle those tasks along with managing employee relations issues. And that's quite common in the small to medium-sized organizations. Most of the small to medium-sized ones that I've interacted with, they do not have a dedicated employee relations department. They're just not large enough to support that. However, the problem is you can't just say, well, we don't really need that. Well, if you have HR professionals that are handling two to three harassment cases a month or discrimination cases or retaliation or a combination of, of that on top of their other stuff, that is a lot. You know, investigations themselves you know, each one you might need to devote 35 to 40 hours to working, depending on the complexity. So when you have that on top of your workload and then multiply that by two or three cases a month, you are burying uh, an HR professional from the standpoint of being able to handle their workload. So a significant amount of stress. You know, the other thing, you may be dealing with a lot of those kind of conflict management scenarios where employees come in, lodge complaints, they're unhappy with their manager, the manager's bullying them, even though they're not, you know, those, it's not really rising to the level of it being harassment or bullying, but they just kind of use the buzzwords and package it at that. That stuff takes a lot of your time. So the bottom line here is whether you are an HR professional that has to handle a few serious cases a month, plus all the regular employee conflict management stuff, or you are an employee relations professional tasked with really only working to serious cases. You both are in a situation here where you may very well be working over the capacity of what one human should be expected to work in a week. So why is this happening? For starters, it may be because you haven't really quantified it yet for your leadership. Without data and analytics to really support your caseload and how that's increased sharply over, let's say, prior year, your leadership above you doesn't even really see the problem. Your leadership may not see you taking those calls in the evenings, on the weekends, working very late to uh, finish an investigation report that you need to get to legal first thing in the morning, and you're up, you know, really late at night. Maybe you put your kids in bed, you know, at eight thirty, and now this is the only quiet time you have where you can work on or uninterrupted. Wow! What's happening here is you're just continuing to work harder, faster, longer, until you kind of reach a breaking point. My suggestion is you don't let yourself get to that breaking point. Here are my recommendations to help you overcome these challenges. All right, number one, if you have a case management software solution and it has the functionality of a case log where you can in some way document what you're doing to work your cases, you need to begin using that now. Like in my solution, I use something called HR Acuity and I've been using that for years, uh, game changer once I started using that. And uh, this is how I bill for my time. Uh, you know, so when I'm uh, reviewing uh, 
let's say, documentation a client sent me, or I then have had to conduct an investigative interview, I put in the amount of time that it took me to work that task. So what that does is it tells me by certain case types over time, I have historical data that shows how long certain cases take me. So for you, by documenting every phone call, document review, email sent, the time it takes you to document your case notes, uh, time to meet with managers or legal, uh, every interview, you know, and so on. Um, you're beginning to quantify where you are spending your time and how much. Then over time, you know, you're then going to have the total number of cases and case types you're working, and you can run a report that shows where you're spending your time. How many harassment cases have we had this year over last year? How many hours does each case typically take us? And then when you are looking specifically at your case log, you can look at exactly where you're spending your time. How many interviews are you having to do in each case? How long does it take you for reviewing, let's say, phone records or uh, looking at instant message records or surveillance, things like that? You can then compare one year over the prior year or quarter to quarter or whatever uh, sort of time frame uh, you want to uh, utilize uh, for a comparative analysis. But what you are doing is building the data to really support the need for some additional resources in your department. If you don't have a case management solution, then you just have to do what I said manually. Um, at the very least, an Excel sheet can certainly capture this for you, but uh, it's not perfect, but it's at least a step in the right direction. The idea here is to make sure you're keeping track of how many cases you're working, case types, where your time goes, and how long it's totally taking you to work these cases. And also, especially for HRBPs, generalists, managers, this isn't just about capturing the serious cases you're working. It's also about capturing the volume of these employee relations issues you're having to get involved in. And these are often those situations where managers haven't handled things properly and an employee is ticked off and comes to you and complains about the manager. So it's turned into this sort of conflict management issue. It takes a lot of time to field those. And if you're just not documenting that, there's a lot of gaping holes in your documentation when you go to talk to your boss. You know that you're spending the time there, but you really just are only then sharing with your boss anecdotally, I'm so busy. You see, you don't really have the data to back up where you are spending your time that will help you as a platform for a discussion for additional resources. And then along with this, um, I also recommend you're documenting the total hours you are physically working each week. Put that on like a manual timesheet if you don't already do that. All right, now, number three, I suggest after a period of time, maybe over a few months, you calculate the number of cases or just general employee conflict management scenarios you've gotten involved in and then ask to meet with your boss. And I recommend when meeting with the boss, uh, you have your data pulled together in a very simple, like one page type of document that at a glance, your boss can see your caseload and then look at your timesheet and see that you've been keeping track of your total hours and how that's really changing in a negative. <laughs> During this meeting, um, I also recommend it be in a neutral place. Uh, don't ever do this in your boss's office. That's a place of authority. It's their kind of power space, and you're likely to be interrupted. Uh, you don't want that. This needs to be a very much an uninterrupted conversation. I would choose a conference room or if you could uh, maybe even meet with your boss in a more informal setting, like um, out at uh, a local restaurant and do it over lunch, uh, I would recommend that. Then uh, present your boss with some solutions. What you don't want to do is just say, wow, I'm burned out, I'm overworked. And you, you come across sounding like you're really just not able to keep up and manage the performance with the job. Again, very unfair, I understand, but that's kind of how you're going to come across that you're just kind of complaining. That's not what you want. You want to say something like this. Boss, look, I needed to meet with you about 
creating a workable solution to a problem that I'm experiencing. And you may not be aware, but uh, what I've put together is a one-page sheet here. This is a snapshot of my caseload and my total work hours. And as you can see, compared to and whatever uh, time period you want to use as a comparator, I'm working X amount more cases. And let's say that's a 35% increase or whatever the increase is. And my work week has increased by you know X percent over last year. And you say, I'm serious when I say this, boss, I'm consistently working, let's say, 60 to 62 hours a week. And, and this just isn't sustainable. And I'd really like to talk with you about some ideas I have on how to get this caseload down and you know, help me to regain my work-life balance because right now it is really way, way out of balance. Now, when you share that with the boss, you know, your boss may be like, wow, okay. Um, you know, you might get a little, the boss is a little defensive and they might say, well, you know, we are a little short staffed right now. And, uh, but, you know, but that's going to change when, you know, insert whatever uh, they see as what's coming down the pipeline that you may have others that you're tasking with coming into your department or new hires. All right, cut your boss some slack if there really is going to be a change with more resources coming very soon. And if that's the case, then this is kind of a moot point. You probably don't even want to raise the issue because your boss may already be well aware of it if resources are going to be allocated. However, that's generally not the case here. Um, it's usually somewhat of a knee-jerk reaction here. So what I would then say is if the boss says, well, we're going to have more resources coming in, uh, we are bringing two people from HR uh, that are suddenly going to be into, let's say, employee relations. Let's just pick that. Boss, when can we expect that? When When is the official date that they will be starting? And then the boss may say, well, not sure exactly. You know, I'm still waiting to get approval from so and so. Be able to do that. All right. Then this could be another six months um, of you working this way. Then um, what you need to say is, well, boss, um, if that's going to take at least another four or six months, then I'd really like to talk about an interim solution. And then your boss may say, oh, okay. Well, what that may be is that you could have somebody from the outside just help to work some cases for a while. And uh, that's something that we do with my company, RPC. We've had uh, that happen on a number of occasions. We did definitely during COVID, uh, where you know suddenly a team found themselves with several people out on medical leave, and what are we going to do? We still have cases we're working. Now, caseloads definitely were down a bit during COVID, but there still were cases coming in, and uh, HR professionals did get sick. So you have solutions. You can have someone from the outside be able to support the team on even just an interim basis. In some cases, it could be quickly uptraining someone in HR on, let's say, just an interim basis. So maybe an internal person. And you know, if you need to get someone quickly trained, you, you all know where to find me, um, and I can help you with that. And um, you know, get someone some training uh, pretty quickly so they could be deployed to handle some of the pressure with the caseload that is just completely burying you. Now, if you work with a boss one-on-one -on -one like this, where you really are candidly sharing what the problem is, and you've offered some workable solutions here, but your boss just really doesn't seem to think that there is a problem, or the boss is really willing to just let you keep kind of working your fingers to the bone, all right, then I think you have some career decisions that you need to make. You know, I can tell you in my career, and um, you know, I'm uh, generally the most mature person when uh, I'm working with HR professionals today. <laughs> uh, but I can tell you, looking back on my career long before I started my own company, there were times that I, I pushed a bad position too long. And I'm coaching all of you listening to this. Life is awfully short. Don't push a bad position too long. Own it, address it, and then figure it out. All right? 
So that's it for my podcast today. I hope that this has been a really, really good uh, investment in your time today. Um, I know that this has been a hot topic, especially we're a couple of years coming out of the pandemic and it's like we are back to normal, sort of. <laughs> it's almost like we're kind of, wow, even pre-COVID, um, our case volumes are just really, really climbing. And uh, so I hope that this has been very helpful and I look forward to having you back in another HR Investigations podcast. See ya. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills, or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.